Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Monday, everybody. Unless, of course, you're me. And welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. On May 24th, Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. And I'm not trying to start today's podcast on a bad foot. You know, I don't want to be negative, but... The New York Knicks lost game one of the playoffs, so, I mean, that was that was pretty terrible for the weekend in general. I had crappy chicken wings on Sunday for dinner. It was just, <laughs> overall, it was not a great Sunday, so I'm looking forward to this podcast to, to help me get back on track. Uh, how was your weekend, Scott? It's fine. I didn't have any crappy chicken wings. I didn't have any chicken wings at all. I, I, I feel like there's not that big of a... Differentiation. There's not that much differentiation between good chicken wings and bad chicken wings. It's kind of like pizza in that way. Yeah. I I ordered them from a Thai place. I don't know what I was doing, man. I was just in the mood for wings. Fiance wanted Thai food. I don't know. What's up, Chris? How you doing? Are you a big wings guy? I have to sneeze. Hold on. Okay. Okay, it's passed. I got passed. (laughs) Uh, Wings are probably my my favorite food. Wow. I love them. You and Jessica Um, Kleinschmidt. I would eat wings. I, I don't know if they're my favorite favorite because like burgers are awesome and like stone crabs are amazing. It's your favorite in the moment it's in front of you. Yeah, like I just, I love a chicken wing. Love a good crispy chicken wing. Um, oh, 100%. Love a boneless chicken wing, yep. which is, yep. I don't care that, oh, it's nuggets. Who it's cares? a chicken we nugget just, with sauce on we it. Just call, That's who cares? Who cares? Like a, a, chicken, a chicken tender is not... A tenderloin. Yeah, it is. I don't know where I'm going with this. There was a point I was going to make, and I can't find it now. But don't worry about it. Chicken fingers aren't chicken fingers. That's what I was going to say. All right. Well, you guys help me get back on track here uh, from the weekend because I need it. Lots to talk about. Some struggling starting pitchers to go over. We're going to get into one of them right now. Obviously, lots of news and notes. We had a trade on Friday. Let's get right into it. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, Chris. We were talking beforehand, and you finally made a big old move. What was that move? Who's your oh my goodness gracious player from the weekend? Yeah, I mean it's it's Luis Castillo. Unfortunately, I finally I, I wrote about this. You'll you'll be able to find it on the site. Uh, just kind of walking through my thought process on why I didn't want to move him down, where he is, why I did move him down, where I moved him down, and that was to number forty six at starting pitcher. Um, basically, I here's here's my thought process in in brief. He he had a it really wasn't his worst start of the season uh, or even his worst start of his last week. But Luis Castillo gave our last 10 days, I guess. Gave up five runs and in five innings today. Uh, I think four strikeouts, three walks, if I'm remembering correctly. Basically, my thought process was, Luis Castillo is too talented to continue struggling this way, this much. And I 
I see that. I have him 46th. He is much lower than that in the actual rankings. I think he will be better moving forward than he has been so far. It's the kind of thing that could just turn on like that. Just I, I, I snapped my fingers in case you couldn't hear it. And I thought Tuesday might have been that opportunity. And instead, it sounded like what my left finger sounds like when I try to snap it, which is nothing. Um, he came back on Sunday, struggled again. So clearly the light hadn't flipped on. I was willing to give him that opportunity to show when he finally had a good start, could he follow it up? Clearly he couldn't. Clearly whatever the issues are that are there are still there. And I think there are you know, some issues that I, I've, I've been able to see in, in doing some of, the, some of the deeper research. His release point has been less consistent than in years past. The overall, the average is still pretty much where it's been in the past. Um, his changeup movement has changed a little bit. It has more vertical drop than it has over in recent years. He's throwing it out of the strike zone more often. And the command of the rest of his pitches has just been dreadful. Uh, there's a good fan graphs piece um, from a couple of days ago about Luis Castillo. And it shows that, you know, basically his changeup, mostly throwing it in the chase zone of the strike zone and everything else is right down the middle. Um, you know, on average. That means that it's easier to lay off the changeup because it's further separated from the other pitches in terms of where it's ending up and how it's moving. And the other pitches are being thrown in a place that is just really, really easy to hit. And so as long as you can avoid the changeup and avoid swinging through it, um, you're going to have pretty good results against Luis Castillo right now. I still believe that he can turn it around and be one of the 15 best starting pitchers in baseball. I still believe that physically, there doesn't really seem to be anything wrong with him. But for whatever reason, he has not been able to figure it out. And the fact that, you know, that one good start doesn't appear to have at least been the start of something is, is what finally inspired me to move him down. Maybe that's irrational, but that's my justification. Yeah, and that's a massive drop because you had him inside your top 20 before then. And obviously, you know, we were coming on here and you were defending him and you had your reasons for doing so. But finally making the move, dropping him down the ranks, you dropped him just behind Zach Plesak and Aaron Savale, who are obviously, you know. Don't have nearly as much upside as him. They don't. But I feel more confident in them right now. Mm-hmm. I, the way Where I stopped, I couldn't move him above Robbie Ray. I just like... As good as Ray's been, he's given up 11 home yeah. runs in his last six starts while only allowing one walk. And that's because he's basically just throwing his pitches in the middle of the strike zone and relying on his good stuff to, to get him by. And I think this might be a better approach than what he's had so far. I think he'll be better than the 3-8-7 ERA he has over that last six starts. But I can't look at the guy that everybody wrote off coming into the season after he had a, you know, I would say worse run than what Luis Castillo has had so far because Castillo's peripherals aren't quite as bad. I can't move him below Robbie Ray. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just yeah. we're getting I thought about I Robbie could not Ray bring and, myself to that. We're getting close. I thought, about, I thought about having Robbie Ray as my oh my goodness gracious player of the weekend because of that one walk and six starts and 19 whiffs. He also had on Saturday going seven innings. Um, you know I'm actually feeling better about Luis Castillo overall than I was last week, let's say. Not after last start. I mean, last start. It's like, oh, he's fixed. Not quite. But velocity was still up. The whiffs were still up. He he got whiffs on both the slider and the changeup. It was pretty much evenly distributed fastball slider changeup. And he had some bad luck today. He got babbipped a little bit. 
Sure. I mean, walks have been an issue in both, but it yeah. were an issue in both of the starts this week. So obviously he needs to get that. He needs to work on that still. And, you know, I, I think today's start verifies it's not time to activate him yet. You don't want to get him yeah. back in your lineup yet. It's fine. I, I, I still feel better about Luis Castillo than I did at this point last week. I think, I think he's at least headed the right direction. Yeah. So I'm, I moved him I'm, up to 25th after his last start. I'm, I'm going to move him down from there, obviously. But mm-hmm. I think I'll actually have him higher than you do. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm not dropping him. Don't drop I'm him. not starting him. I would Agreed. trade for him if somebody... I've put out a bunch of buy-low offers on Luis Castillo so far. Nobody's bit, but maybe after this one that'll happen. Um, I can't tell you, the listener, what to do. Frank and Scott obviously can't tell you what to do either. But uh, if someone asks me, what should I do with Luis Castillo? I don't know. Like, here's what I'm doing, but it depends on your level of trust and faith in him, and I can't tell you you should have the same level of trust that I do in him. 100%. Scott, you're, oh my goodness gracious, player from the weekend. All right. So this is this is a little atypical. All right. <laughs> but my oh my goodness gracious player of this weekend is a player by the name of Taylor Walls. Who? Now, now if you haven't heard of Taylor Walls, he's got a 1000 OPS. <laughs> if you haven't heard of Taylor Walls, at least as of Friday afternoon, you weren't alone. I had not heard of Taylor Walls. Apparently he was a top 10 prospect in the race system by by uh, by most rank lists, but not one that really had generated any kind of buzz. Stood out mostly for his defense. He showed good on-base skills in the minors. But Taylor Walls, not really on the fantasy radar. So when the Rays traded their starting shortstop, Willie Adamas, to the Brewers Friday afternoon, the thinking was, okay, here they are making room for Wander Franco, or at least Vidal Brujan, right? At least Brujan, if not if not Franco. Only for them to then call up Taylor Walls, who's older than both. Okay, you can kind of get it if 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 they envision Walls being a starter for them. It you had you know he's having a good season to AAA himself. It it kind of makes sense, but it certainly feels like a stall tactic. I don't know if they're waiting another month to hopefully get to that super two cutoff for uh although that's for Franco. Usually around now, if not, you know, maybe a week or two from now. Well usually they usually they wait till late June just to be safe. Because it's one of those things you don't really know you don't really know what the exact date is until years from now. Yeah. Um so it's you know it's it's not like there's a specific date. But anyway I don't I don't really think that's it anyway. I, I think honestly, he's 20 years old. He lost a year of development. He was at high class A before this year, and they're just not ready to call him up yet. I, I think that's this is Wander Franco you're talking about. Yeah. The, the yeah. Rays are I think notoriously uh conservative when it comes mm-hmm. to calling players up. Whether you sure. want to you know say that's an organizational philosophy from a baseball perspective or you know, coincidentally it happens to help them financially, whatever mm-hmm. it is they seem less apt to call guys up than just about any other team. It seems like they're like six months behind where most teams are when it term- comes to calling guys up. I agree yeah. with you on that, Chris, but I did think that Wander Franco's placement at AAA was an aggressive placement. So I, I will just say that. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to take a full month is what I'm saying for, for them to call up Franco. And I don't really think it affects Bruhan's timeline at all because I'm, I'm expecting he'll be called up to play mostly outfield. So he can't play shortstop. 
it wouldn't have been surprising to see him get called up with this move, but obviously it didn't happen. Uh, but it's uh, it's disappointing. I mean, Walls, look, I put in a bid on him in both of my 15-team Roto Leagues and my AL-only league, but I, I don't think he's going to be 12-team material. I don't think he has uh, enough offensive potential. So, and I, and I don't think he improves their chances. I mean, it, it, it was definitely a financial move trading away Adamas. They got some bullpen help for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was already a defensive standout at shortstop, so I, I don't see how Walls makes them them better. Yeah. And I think they have to recognize that he's not going to be the difference in them winning the AL East. Mm-hmm. You might as well like because you've got arguably three guys in the organizational hierarchy who are ahead of him between Bruhan Franco and and Xavier Edwards. I think Edwards is maybe a little iffier. Um, it might just be a like here. Let's give him a month and see. If he can hit the ground running, if not, you know, he's a utility guy. Yep. And Taylor Walls, 24 years old, former third round pick by the Rays back in 2017. He only has shortstop eligibility on CBS right now. And he was playing well in the minors, 327 batting average, two homers, two steals back in 2019. He hit 270 with 10 homers and 28 steals. So he can run a little bit. So in those deeper category leagues, Scott mentioned 15-team roto. I added him in a few 15-team roto leagues where I needed help at middle infield, and, and I picked up Taylor, Wall, Taylor Walls there. I think that's where you could look, but anything shallower than that, probably not yet. But uh, a name to watch. And the Tampa Bay Rays t- are hot. 10-game winning streak. Their offense is actually yeah. showing up. Uh, oh, my goodness gracious, for me from the weekend... There's not really much that I can add about this guy, except that we probably just all need to move him up the rankings even more than we already have. But Jesse Winker, it's like every time I look at the Reds box score, the guy is just smashing baseballs. He had a triple dong on Friday. He has he had five home runs over the weekend total. And the StatCast page is just filled with red. A 311 expected batting average, 576 expected slug he has a higher launch angle than he has in the past. Ground balls were an issue for Jesse Winker a couple of years back. Entering Sunday, he was the fourth highest scoring outfielder in points leagues. Jesse Winker's awesome. He's always kind of been awesome. He just needs to stay healthy. So I have him at outfielder 20. I don't know how much higher I can move him, but the guy is <laughs> just amazing. So I, I felt like mm-hmm. we should give him some run. Yeah, you know what you know what stood out to me is I you look at his April slash line 370 414 679. His Dude, May was- slash line b- before even this two hit performance with an extra home run it was 333 410 667. It was it was about the same. Like I don't know how you repeat that slash line from one month to the next. But uh yeah, yeah, Jesse Winker looks like he's Finally broken out. I wish he had done it three years ago when he was my favorite player in the world, but that's fine. That's fine. I'm happy and, for him. You know, it, it, it's a little bit of a small sample size. You know, it, it, like even going back to last season, you're talking about only about 350 plate appearances where he has a thousand OPS. He's hitting 291 with an 892 OPS for his career. And you're talking about 341 games, 1200 plate appearances. I mean, you just cut that in half, you're looking at 85, am I doing the math right? 85 runs, 27 homers, 80, 75 RBI, 291 well, average. Look, Jeremy Frank on, on Twitter, uh, who's at MLB Random Stats on Twitter, he tweeted out, see, this was a couple days ago, so a couple home runs ago, that Jesse Winker's hit it. He's slashing in his last 162 games, 304, 401, 552. 
Yeah, I, I feel like it was never in doubt. Like, he's always been a good hitter in his career. He just has never played more than 113 games in a season. Well, last year he played 54 of 60, so you give him some credit for that, yeah. but completely cratered in the second month of the season last year uh, and then just, mm-hmm. you know, hit the ground running this season so far. He, he's been amazing. So uh, all the credit to I, Jesse Winker. I, 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 I do think we need to give a little shout-out to the, the guy who nearly matched Jesse Winker this past week. Let's do it. And that's uh, that's Austin Riley, who for sure had his second two homer game in four. I think it was he he scored forty nine and a half points in in points leagues this week. Damn, um, and he happened to be the number one sleeper hitter for this week. I'll, I'll just point that out. But yeah, um, he had been just showing much better, like uh, good plate discipline, making a lot of contact. And we kept saying, if if he can if he can add that power back in, then he could really be onto something. And that appears to have happened because now Austin Riley's slash line for this season. I mean, the guy's not even eighty percent rostered yet. He started virtually every game this year, and his slash line's three twenty four fourteen five forty nine. So, I mean, obviously that's improved a lot just over the past couple weeks. But uh, needless to say, should be rostered everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it, now, it is interesting. It's worth pointing out that as these home runs have taken off, the strikeout rate has gone back up. So, you know, maybe there was some, there's some amount of trade-off there. I, I don't know. I will say what, what I find most interesting is his, his batted ball numbers don't necessarily look much better so far this season in terms of like average exit velocity in particular, but also hard hit rate is, you know, a little better, but right in line mm-hmm. with his rookie season, it, it's not. And when you account for the league-wide changes, it's probably a little lower relative. Um, this is an example of a player who has discovered seemingly more consistency. And so his launch angle is actually the lowest of his career. It's 10.5 degrees. Last year, it was 13.6. It was 20.6 the year before. But, you know, Stack has, has these, like, subcategories, and a few of them are, like, topped percentage and under percentage, and both of those are career lows, or lower than they were last year at least. Topped was lower in 2019, but under was way higher. That means he's just making solid contact a lot more often. He's got a 9.8% solid contact rate and a 10.8% barrel rate. Um, Last year, those were 15% combined. So he just, he's not like popping off the page in a way, like he's not like what Byron Buxton was doing earlier in the season, where it's like, oh my God, he looks amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just kind of small changes overall that seem to have made Austin Riley a better and more complete hitter. Yep, Austin Riley, that roster rate needs to be 100%. He's 77% rostered. So even in those shallower 10-team leagues, he's red hot right now. Braves offense looks like it's coming alive. Definitely helps when you face the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not going to take anything away from them, uh, but they're coming around. So get Austin Riley on your team. Before we get to the news and notes, we've got to let you know what is on CBS Sports HQ this week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is the network to start your sports news day at 8 a.m. Eastern with Morning Buzz, an hour of highlights and all the news you need to know and come back or leave us on all day at 6 p.m. where we break down all the night's action and release dozens of picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world. But this week, oh, this week is all about the action across the pond. HQ has two hours of lead-in programming ahead of both the Europa League final on Wednesday and the Champions League final on Saturday. And after the matches conclude, don't leave the app as HQ will have extended coverage for both matches, breaking it all down with the best soccer minds out there. Go to your Roku 
Apple TV, Fire TV, really most connected TVs, and look for the CBS Sports app. Fire it up and check out CBS Sports HQ. And heck, tell us what you think about it on Twitter. That's how confident I am that you will love the way we break down the beautiful game and all your favorite sports. Some news and notes from the weekend. Jacob deGrom has been cleared to return and start Tuesday against the Rockies in City Field, which is a great matchup to come back to. So, yay. Kenta Maeda was placed on the 10-day IL with a right adductor strain. He had been battling groin tightness. He also made a start. He allowed three runs over five innings pitched. It was a pretty mad performance, which has kind of been Kenta Maeda all season long. Uh, the Mets placed Pete Alonso on the IL with a right hand sprain. JT Real Muto was placed in the IL with a left wrist bone bruise retroactive to May 18th. We had a trade on Friday, which we've already kind of alluded to, uh, as Trevor Richards and Willie Adamas were traded to the Brewers for pitchers J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. Fireisen actually picked up a save on Sunday as Diego Castillo. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Chris? The Rays are the best. <laughs> you love them. Well, Diego Castillo was used three of the last four days, and he did pick up a save over the weekend. So it, it seemed like they were getting back into Diego Castillo as their closer. Uh, any interest in fire ice in, in deeper category leagues for saves? I did pick him up in one of my 15 teamers where like anybody who is, you know, showing an inkling of, of maybe being used in that role gets picked up. So I, I you know, I, I think it's probably Castillo's, but the Rays being the Rays, you never know. Yep. Willie Adamas becomes available in NL only leagues. So if you need a shortstop or middle infielder there, he's someone to look at. And we already mentioned Taylor Walls, who if you need some speed, you should be looking at him in category leagues. The Phillies placed Matt Moore on the IL and recalled one of their top pitching prospects. Actually, their top pitching prospect for sure. Spencer Howard, who started on Saturday, he allowed one run over only three innings, four walks against the Red Sox. He is 22% rostered and tentatively lined up to face the Marlins on Thursday this week in Miami, which is a pretty good start. Interest level in Spencer Howard. Um, not zero. Yeah, not zero. You know, obviously we've seen him pitch a little in the majors so far, and it hasn't been mind blowing. But yeah, I want to see um, what the stuff looked like. That's what I'm looking for. Right yeah, now, so fastball his, velocity was a little down. Right, he, he averaged not, he before. averaged closer to 94 on the fastball, like he did during his stint starting last yeah. year, which sounds pretty good, but it was. They were saying his velocity was actually down in 2020 when he was averaging 94. Um, he had been averaging 96 in previous appearances this year, mostly out of the bullpen. Yeah. You know, maybe it gets back up to 96. I don't know. Uh, he did have 12 whiffs on 68 pitches, which is good. Very also, fastball heavy. It's a little, a little alarming to walk four in three innings with 72% fastball rate, which, you know, we haven't seen it so far from him. But he is a top prospect who's getting a shot in the rotation. So mm-hmm. um, not picking him up everywhere yet, but in some deeper leagues and certainly certainly monitoring his performance. Fran Reyes was placed on the IL with an internal oblique strain. His initial diagnosis is that he will miss five to seven weeks. Prospect Owen Miller was recalled by Cleveland and came over in the Mike Clevenger trade last year. Miller was batting 406 with two home runs and a 1067 OPS at AAA this season. Any interest in Owen Miller? Mm, no. Yeah, not really. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I don't know. We only, we, he played 18 games. Or, uh, sorry, he played 75 games in 2018. He played 130 in 2019. He had 13 homers and five steals. I don't know. 
yeah. it's pretty hard to get excited about what he's done so far in his professional career. So I don't, I don't think so. He's not terribly exciting, but in deeper leagues, remember the name Owen Miller. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, probably not that much less exciting than Taylor Walls, if we're being honest. All right, but Walls yeah. has at least been a very enthusiastic, if not altogether successful, base stealer. True. Kendall Graveman <laughs> was placed on the IL with no injury designation, so it's likely a COVID situation. The Mariners also placed four other relief pitchers on the COVID IL on Friday. Dave Roberts said on Saturday that Cody Bellinger could return in seven to eight days. So not this week, but should but could potentially be back by next Monday. The Blue Jays placed Kevin Biggio on the aisle with a cervical spine ligament sprain, which actually sounds way worse than it is. He basically has a, a, a sore a neck, a sore neck right now. Uh, the they're optimistic he'll only be out the minimum ten days. Victor Robles was placed on the aisle with a right ankle sprain, retroactive to May twentieth. Andrew Stevenson is set for more playing time, and he also has speed for those in deeper category leagues. I do want to point out with Robles, I wouldn't necessarily drop him. I know he's been bad this season, but... He was kind of playing better recently. Well, he was running more is the big okay. thing. He had gotten moved back to the ninth spot, and basically when he's hit either first or ninth this season, he's run at a 42-steal attempt pace. Um, when he's batted eighth, he's basically not run at all. And that's actually something to keep in mind with a lot of players. Stolen bases happen less often from the number eight spot. And the number eight spot has a bigger impact on steal attempt rate than any other lineup spot. So in the National League in specific, not in the American League. The Reds placed both Nixon Zell and Wade Miley on the IL this weekend. Brendan Rogers was activated on Friday. He picked up two hits with two RBI in two games this weekend. He is 31% rostered if you need a middle infielder. Uh, yeah. That's pretty exciting, too. I'd go for him before Walls, for sure. Like, if you picked up Jorge Polanco, now it sounds like he's having trouble with that surgically repaired ankle. You know, he had trouble with it last year, too. He keeps having surgery, and it's not getting better. So I'd drop Polanco for for Rodgers, and I'm sure there's like a 50, 50 percentage points of rostership disparity there. But, you know, that that's a combination of both how excited I am about Rodgers and how concerned I am about Polanco. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers in my 15-team NFBC main event league, he went for $118 out of a $1,000 fab budget. And you know what the runner-up bid was? $118 by who? Uh, This guy. Apparently, I lost the tiebreaker. And what are the chances of a league where you have a $1,000 fab budget, you bid the same amount, $118, and you lose? That's what happened to me. So I am, you know, just keep piling on. Great Sunday, Frank. Anyway, the next name. (laughs) Uh, the Red Sox purchase. You don't have to root for the Knicks. I, I I can't talk about it, Chris. It's it's I'm too emotional about it. Uh, the Red Sox purchased the contract of Danny Santana on Friday, and he started all three games this weekend. He hit two home runs and one steal. He's 10% rostered with only yep. first base eligibility on CBS. He started two games in the outfield already, so yeah, he's getting closer to having that eligibility. This guy had 28 homers and 21 steals back in 2019 with the Rangers. So we've giving you a bunch of names already for category leagues on this mm-hmm. podcast, but Santana mm-hmm. is another one. He went for $137 in this 15-team category league. Yeah, I, I, I added him, I think, in I think in every single Roto League I'm in, I added him. Uh, I spent about 4% of my budget in those 15-teamers. Wow. I think I spent 2% of my budget in a 12-teamer. I mean... Makes sense. 
No, it's the a playing great, time it's a great appears to be there. The playing time appears to be there. So that's that's one hurdle cleared. Uh, we were we were all skeptical of his performance in 2019, and and then he was awful in 2020. But it turns out he had a pretty bad elbow issue, and you know he was killing it at AAA before getting called up. So I'm in those roto leagues. I think it's worth taking a shot. I'm not guaranteeing anything, obviously, but it's an interesting profile if he comes through on it. And he did have pretty impressive bad at ball numbers in 2019. Mm-hmm. And he actually has always hit the ball pretty hard. It's just, yeah. You know, yeah. He'd had issues with contact before that. 2021, the year that we're excited about Rich Hill and uh, Danny Santana, who would have, who would have thunk it? The Yankees announced Friday that Aaron Hicks needs surgery to repair his injured left wrist. It is potentially season ending. The Padres are banged up. Trent Grisham is dealing with a heel bruise and some lower half stuff, according to their manager. Manny Machado is day to day with right shoulder tightness. Nelson Cruz has been out of the Twins lineup for four straight games now with a bruised wrist. Both Cabrian Hayes and Hunter Dozier started rehab assignments for their respective teams on Saturday. Michael Pineda will be activated off the IL on Wednesday to start against the Baltimore Orioles. Miles Michaelis left his season debut due to right forearm tightness. That sounds very bad. Jose Urquidy could make a rehab start at AA on Wednesday. A Keston Hiera update. He is betting 438, 14 for 32 with three home runs, but still has 13 strikeouts in nine games. So don't like the swing and miss, but he's doing well when he makes contact. So. At least that's something. He's 44% rostered if you want to stash him in any deeper leagues. Uh, some prospect updates from the weekend as well. Red Sox outfield prospect Jaron Duran went 5-for-5 five five on Saturday. He is batting 299 with seven home runs and four steals, but also doing so with a near 17% swinging strike rate. So I have a feeling right. that... Uh, and, and then there's bigger news for Durant, Duran. He, uh, yeah, I saw someone mention this. I think we're well, probably going the same place. Yeah, he's playing for the Olympic qualifier team, so yeah. he's going to be out for... The next two weeks, I think. And you can't play in, on, in the Olympics if you're on a 40-man roster. So it'll kind of, I guess, come down to whether he prefers playing in the Olympics or you know, trying to get called up if it comes to that. Yeah, I, I, I saw one, I don't remember who it was, one Red Sox writer tweeting, he still thinks he'll be up in June despite this. So I, I'm guessing, you know, playing for the qualifier team doesn't mean you're playing in the Olympics, I guess. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Really, it really throws it. It really throws a wrench in the timetable here for Duran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vidal Bruhan. We already mentioned the name today, but he continues to get it done. He added another home run on Saturday. He's now batting three thirty three with seven home runs and seven steals at Triple A. He's thirty four percent rostered. So if you want to stash him in deeper category leagues again, Vidal Bruhan, the name there. Royals pitching prospect Jackson Coward had a 10 strikeout game, and maybe he's the next one that we see. They've been pretty aggressive with calling up their prospects so far this year. And just a name to remember if you play in a dynasty league, a deeper dynasty league, and he's available, you should add him. Twin second round pick in 2019, Matt Cantorino had a 10 strikeout game in high A. Uh, he's 23 years old, but he could be a fast riser. 23, high A. Uh, I know that I've seen him rising up some other prospect lists as well. So the name Cantorino. Cantorino. The let's Cantor do it. Cantor man making moves. Frank's too young for that one. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> but for that one. When we return, we are going to look at the waiver wire hitters. The most added from this weekend. We'll do it next. Fantasy Baseball Today. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I'm a 
citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. So the most added... I was about to say starting pitchers. Not starting pitchers. The most <laughs> added hitters from this weekend. Brandon Crawford, Robbie Grossman, Josh Fuentes... Austin Riley and Ian Happ. We'll take a look at those five first. Josh Fuentes, uh, this are we just no. are people just reacting to him having an awesome week yeah. last week in Coors Field, and there's not really much to see there. Is, is that what's happening with Josh Fuentes? He has. I'm trying to pull up the the full numbers. I saw it earlier today. I think he's overperforming his expected slugging percentage by like 200 points. Oh my! Uh, he has a 300 woba, which is bad. And he is outperforming it by 75 points. Mm. So uh, <laughs> has not been. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see much reason to to be excited about Josh Fuentes with the like the only reason would be he has a pulse and he's on the Rockies roster and sometimes they play a course field. But even that's not enough for me. <laughs> uh, Robbie Grossman, I feel like we've talked about him a lot recently. He's 67 percent rostered, but has a power speed combination. He's useful in points leagues, too. He walks quite a bit. Uh, Ian Happ, we gave you on Friday as one of Scott's favorite sleepers. He had three hits on Friday uh, as well for the Chicago Cubs. Five other most added hitters so far this weekend. Mike Zanino, William Contreras, Gavin Lux, who I know is playing uh, very well. He had a big game on Sunday. Uh, Miguel Sano, he had a home run over the week. A very interesting feat that he accomplished. He had a home run with a golden sombrero. A home run with four strikeouts in the same game. It's, it's not the hmm. easiest thing to that's do. That's called a Sano. A Sano, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Gavin Lux, five hits over the weekend, including a grand slam on Sunday. The other name, Kyle Schwarber, one of the most added hitters. He's hot in May, so if you need power. yeah. Gavin Lux, I feel like, Scott, even even in a points league, like, there's kind of been some middle infield injuries, and he's hmm? really showed up in the month of May, so I'm, I'm interested in Gavin Lux. Yeah, me too. He's... Yeah, he was. He struck out thirty one point one percent of the time in April, which was really the main reason uh, that I soured on him. But that's it's almost cut in half in May, seventeen point three entering Sunday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he has, I think he has three home runs for the month of May. So it's it's not like there's been a lot of power production there. But if you're striking out. If the strikeouts are that low and you're in the Dodgers lineup and you're playing every day and you're eligible at both middle infield spots, there's probably a place for you. I think I value I think I value Brendan Rogers on about the same level, honestly. So, you know, you you could give me either one of them and I'd be pretty happy. I think I'd rather have Rogers, but yeah, I yeah. think it's pretty close. I, I just I still think Lux has platoon issues. He he hasn't proven to me that he doesn't yet, is the biggest thing. A few other hitters from uh, uh, that you could target in deeper leagues. Jock Peterson, Garrett Cooper, who has nine hits over his last five games, including three home runs. Seth Brown, he's got some splits issues, but whenever he's playing against right-handed pitching, he's he's been mashing. Chad Pinder for Oakland. Odubel Herrera with the Phillies, which I gave out last week, but 
Roster rate is still really low. He's playing every day for them right now. Uh, and Amanda Rosario is another name there. So Jock Peterson, Garrett Cooper, Seth Brown, Jet, Chad Pinder, Odubel Herrera, Ahmed Rosario. Any favorites here? I was kind of surprised to see how much Ahmed Rosario is playing. He's basically the full-time shortstop now, but um, not really doing a lot with it. Uh, he can steal bases in theory if he gets on base enough. He got four hits Sunday, so, you know. Yeah, his his ex-Woba over the last 100 plate appearances is slightly be- above average, <laughs> uh, and he's still very fast. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to see him run more. No, yeah. No love for Garrett Cooper? Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he's been playing more regularly than I thought too, not quite every day. Um, yeah, I think he's like it's hard to like in a 12 team 5 outfitter league it, it, you might need him or you might have a spot for him, but I'm not like super excited about it. I'd rather have Jock Peterson. Yep. Cooper has first base and outfield eligibility. Seth Brown has homered in Three straight games that he has started for the Oakland A's. And uh, I mentioned at the top, we were talking about wings or whatever. So I have a bunch of hitters here that are either red hot, medium, mild, uncooked. Those would be cold hitters. Yeah. What's your favorite? Were wings uncooked, Frank? Is that why they were bad? (laughs) No, they were hot wings, hot sauce, hot buffalo sauce, and uh, garlic parmesan. That's my go-to combo. I like that. I like. So I was looking. I was craving wings so badly this weekend. That's why I just pulled the trigger on Sunday, even though I messed up. Anyway, I was I was going to order them from someplace, and I had the half and half selected. Chris, that was the exact combo I had: hot and garlic parmesan. So let's get it done. Frank's red hot. Two hitters that are scorching in the month of May. Ramon Laureano is betting three hundred three. With eight home runs, Teoscar Hernandez betting 354 with four home runs and two steals in the month of May. I don't know that there's anything actionable with this outside of the fact that like these these guys look great right now. <laughs> yeah. I would buy high on Teoscar Hernandez. I agree with uh, that. I I think he's he's done a lot to convince me. Loriano, what a weird season. He had eight stolen bases in the first nine games, I think. He doesn't have a single steal since. Yeah, doesn't have a single steal since. <laughs> and I, I mentioned at the time that there was a lot of like, I think like half of his stolen bases, there hadn't even been a throw yeah. on them. So it was a little weird. Um, but he does have 10 home runs in 34 games since then. So I guess that's one way to make up for it. <laughs> yeah, there's so many hitters that are hot in May. I think I might have to look into that in an article at some point because it's just... Eh. So many, so many hitters who got off to slow starts just have ridiculous numbers in May. Oh yeah. So how about some medium hotness? Yuan Moncada. He's betting three hundred three with seven doubles, ten runs, ten RBI, zero homers in the month of May. But he's walking a ton. He's he's performing very well. He's hitting right in the middle of the White Sox lineup. Uh, not that it's a great lineup anymore. They've lost so many pieces. Eduardo Escobar, who we kind of wrote off a few weeks ago, but now has thirteen hits with. Five home runs over his last nine games. So, anything you guys would like to add over on Yuan Moncada and Eduardo Escobar? Moncada looks like 2019 Moncada all of a sudden, except just uh, not not as on. much not as much power, right, Chris? That's the biggest difference. Not in terms of over the fence power right now, but in terms of how hard he's hitting the ball, it's it's pretty similar. Um, he's not, you know, it's not 93 mile per hour average exit velocity, but there's still definitely reason to think that he should have more than three home runs right now. Yeah. I wish, 
I wish Escobar would do something other than hit home runs. Because <laughs> I just don't think that's a sustainable formula long term. Yeah. And I thought he had gotten it all out of his system. And he was getting back to a point where we could drop him again. And then he goes and does this. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Some mild hitters from the weekend. Josh Bell has 13 hits, including two home runs over his last 10 games. He's still sitting here and there for Ryan McMahon. Um, Ryan McMahon. Ryan Zimmerman. Zimmerman's been great this year. Uh, Glaber yeah. Torres has 11 hits with one homer in five games since coming off the COVID IL. Josh Bell, Glaber Torres. Any hope here, guys, or that these that they're turning it around? Yeah, especially for Torres. Yeah, especially for Torres. I. It just I don't know. I get I'm getting kind of Jose Ramirez vibes from Torres in terms of like it's. It's been going on so long that you can't really blame people for giving up on him, and yet it still it just doesn't seem right that he's this bad. I I think it's just it's about calibrating expectations, and I think the 2019. I think he is a player who people view as a superstar, and he's probably not that. And I think the 2019 season kind of got expectations out of whack a little bit. I think we talked about this. A I mean, he was really ago. good in 2018 too. Right, right. But like he was a 270 with an 820 OPS. I, I think mm-hmm. that's more realistic for him moving forward than, mm-hmm. you know, he's not a 40 homer guy. Yeah. He's, you know, I think you're probably hoping he's like a 270 hitter with 20 to 25 homers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking just really solid all the way around. I was thinking 25 to 30, but 270 yeah, sure. makes sense. Uh, I, I can't really get fully back on board with Josh Bell until he stops striking out so much, but I, I do think he's better than he's shown so far, so like things can only go up from here. All right, so some uncooked chicken wings from the weekend, some ice-cold guys. Bryce Harper, he entered Sunday batting 211 with a 39% strikeout rate in the month of May. Seems like he's still dealing with this shoulder injury. Jared Kelnick, phenom, prospect, we're all excited about, still very excited about. He's batting 135 with only a 20% strikeout rate. So that, that's not out of control. That's good to see. Should we should we bench Jared Kelnick until he comes around? I, what about Bryce Harper, too? Because it, it kind of seems like he's playing through this injury. Yeah, and, since leaving that game on May 15th with the shoulder injury, he has 13 strikeouts and 26 plate appearances with just two hits. So, you know, there does seem to be a pretty direct line that you can draw there. Like, he wasn't playing amazingly well, but it was like a 27% strikeout rate in May before that. And he was hitting, and he had a 950 OPS, but only one home run and all those strikeouts. He was definitely not playing as well. But the shoulder does, maybe it's a coincidence, but there's definitely that direct line right there. Uh, that that reminds me, um, Ty France, actually. I think he's worth bringing up because he's only rostered in about half of leagues now. He's expected back from his wrist injury as early as Monday. The Mariners have the best matchups this week of any any team, best matchups for hitters. And Ty France, his batting average dropped to like the 220 range. He was in such a deep slump. You know, he was mm-hmm. hitting well over 300 for the first few weeks of the season. And um, don't have the exact numbers here, but apparently he'd been dealing with that wrist injury for a while. Uh, so... Kind of like you were saying with Harper, it's I could see France coming off the IL and getting really hot, especially with the matchups this week. And because of those matchups, by the way, I would continue to start Jared Kelnick as well, bringing the whole thing full circle here. Somehow, uh, Ty France is in the twelfth percentile in sprint speed, and he was fifteenth percentile last year. Just fast. adding that in there because that is that is stunning. 
<laughs> Stunningly slow. Some double dongs from the weekend. Austin Riley uh, did it twice. He did it on Friday and Sunday. Brandon Lau, Vlad Jr., Ryan McMahon, Miguel Cabrera did it on Friday. 15% rostered. Not overly excited about him in deeper leagues, but shout out to Miguel Cabrera. Adolis Garcia did it on Saturday. He's now up to 14 home runs. Ozzy Albies got off to a slow start. He had a double dong on Saturday. Fernando Tatis, a double dong on Sunday. And he is now batting 309 with 13 home runs, 26 RBI, and I believe it's 10 steals in 30 games, which yeah. is just His, uh, ridiculous. Just his ridiculous. per 162 pace right now, obviously he's not going to play 162 games, but his pace right now is like 70 homers, 40 steals. Well, he's, <laughs> he's almost caught up for with Acuna for the major league lead in homers, and he missed that. Yeah, I, guess it, at, I guess it was like the minimum he missed with the shoulder injury, but still. Yeah, he's at 13 and 10 right now. Uh, yeah, just utterly ridiculous. Let's jump over to the... Uh, by the way, because I've been pretty negative about Adolis... Adolis how do you say his name? Adolis. Adolis Garcia so far. Sorry about that. Um, I'm getting less so. <laughs> I'm getting less pessimistic about him. He's tied for the major league leading home runs now too, right? 14? Or did Acuna pass him today? 14 is how many he has. And uh, strikeout rate is down. It keeps dropping. It's down below 28% now. The expected stats are really not that far behind the actual stats. I don't know. He runs too. I think, yeah. uh, think, think he might be a winner here. For sure. Yeah, he looks awesome. Yeah. I mentioned a quote from a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned it on a podcast last week where he, he's knowingly, consciously realized that teams are going to make adjustments to him and he was talking with the Rangers coaching staff about how he's going to adjust back to it. So I like to hear that from someone who, he's not a young player, but he's young based on like major league experience. So... I, I thought that was interesting from him. Let's take a look at the pitching side of things and talk about some struggling starting pitchers. We already mentioned Luis Castillo at the top. Uh, Dylan Bundy had another clunker on Sunday. He allowed four earned runs over just two and a third. He's now allowed 17 earned runs over his last three starts. The ERA is up to 6.50 for Dylan Bundy. What do we do with him? <laughs> well, you said him. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's where you, yeah. I mean, the last three starts, the ERA has gone from four to six fifty. I felt it in a lot of my leagues. Dylan Bundy has killed me lately. I, I still don't really see what's wrong. I mean, the XFIP 394, which, you know, is higher than you want an XFIP to be, but you would expect a much lower ERA than six fifty like that. Uh, yeah, the whiff rate's down a little. Actually, in this most recent start, he was down a mile per hour and a half on his fastball. So if, if that had been going on this whole time, I might have real reason for concern. But just one start like that, I don't know. Doesn't do much for me. But sit him for now. And, uh, you know, his strand rate is really low, which is probably contributing to that ERA. Probably some bad luck there. Yeah, I'm I'm losing faith in him as like a buy low, but it's certainly not time to drop him yet. Okay. Well, you heard that. You heard that, everyone. Don't drop him because many people have been. He's 76% rostered. So currently one of the most dropped starting pitchers in CBS leagues, Dylan Bundy. Don't drop him yet. Keep him on your bench. Don't start him against the Oakland A's. How about Patrick Corbin? The curious case of Patrick Corbin trying to figure this guy out all year has been interesting to say the least. He was up against the Orioles on Sunday. He allowed 11 hits, four runs. He did have 13 swinging strikes on 95 pitches. Velocity was back up. He was 
you know, averaging right around 93 miles per hour, but he allowed seven more hard hit balls. Would you guys still start him this week against the Milwaukee Brewers? Probably not. But like I was saying with Castillo, I'm I'm still encouraged at the overall direction he's headed. He's three starts in a row now. He's he's done the things Patrick Corbin did when he was good in 2018 and 2019, leading with the slider, getting a lot of whiffs with the slider, averaging about 91 on his fastball, a little higher than that actually. And um, you know, I don't like to see 11 hits against the Orioles of all teams. That tells me something's still a little off, but I think it's only a little off now. And I think uh, I think if he continues down this path, he's going to be okay. How about Zach Plesac, who allowed five runs against the Twins this weekend? Only three of those were earned. Uh, there was one inning that got away from him and, and had some had an error behind him that extended the inning. Uh, but the ERA is up to four point one four. It's been an inconsistent year for him overall as well. Chris, would you start or sit Zach Plesac versus the Blue Jays this week? I think you could sit him. You know, hopefully this is like the the best week for two-star pitchers ever. So hopefully you've got enough guys that you can consider uh, sitting him. And I will say, I have seen enough, and I'm dropping him as far as I can in my rankings, which is one spot behind Aaron Savale. <laughs> <laughs> those, guys, those guys are just uh, like... I knew Aaron Savale was going to come I've up. Rece- I've seen <laughs> enough. I can't... I have, I'm giving up on Zach Plezak being better than the guy he's identical to. Any actual concern for uh, two stud starting pitchers who didn't look great over the weekend, but uh, Shane Bieber, it, I mean, the ERA is fine. It's 3.32. The whip is up to 1.26, and his mm-hmm. first pitch strike percentage is, continues to remain low. It's 58%, which is a career low. And then Aaron Nola, who allowed five runs against the Red Sox. Four of those were earned. His ERA is up to 3.94. Underlying numbers look Great for Aaron Nola as well. Any concern over Bieber or Nola? Not really. Um, we got had, some like alarmed tweets about Bieber, mm-hmm. and like uh, a couple of them were like, "Was he overrated coming into the season? Should he have not been the number three starting pitcher?" And it's like, well, who, who the heck should have been above him then? Well, that and and like, I mean, go back and look at his 2019 numbers. He yeah, was, he was awesome. He was he, he returned second round value, I think it was in 2019 as well. And you know, he's he's been giving up a lot of hits. I had the exact number here. Um, basically, his first five starts, his hit rate was really low, and his last five starts, the hit rate's been really high. The whiff rate has been great throughout. So I, I really don't think he's lost his stuff, you know. And it's not like the hits he's given up. You know, it's not like he's given up a bunch of homers. So I I think the thing to remember in instances like this, unless unless you feel like the talent level is is really dissipated. Shane Bieber's a really smart pitcher. He's kind of he's kind of like J- Jacob deGrom in that he's he started out being not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And then he quickly became a very big deal and then just kept getting better, kept making adjustments to make himself even better and better. So like the guy knows what he's doing and as as concerned as you are as concerned as you may be about Shane Bieber and the way things are going right like nobody on earth is more concerned about it than he is and yeah. he's going to figure it out I, like, I, I really think, don't think there's anything to worry about I think he's maybe like tinkered his way a little bit out of like the top three tier or that you know super exclusive group um, just because like he he doesn't have the same control and, you know, the key thing, and I mentioned this last week, I think, was 
his slider usage is way up to 27%. And that's been, it's a great swing and miss pitch. He's racked up a ton of strikeouts with it, 50% whiff rate. That's all awesome. But, um, you know, it might be a situation where the cutter's a little easier to throw for a strike and not having that cutter as a way to get ahead early in a count or when you need a strike that's not a fastball. Mm-hmm. You know, it's possible that that could be contributing to it. And I'm sure he'll, I'm very confident he'll tinker his way. Whatever that, whatever the, the yeah. adjustment is, like Scott said, I'm sure he'll find it. And, 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 you know, it's it's not like this has been this way since the start of the year. As I said, yeah. first five starts, it's like, oh, Shane Bieber, look at this guy. He's amazing. And the last five starts has been a little shaky. So, yeah, not really worried. Let's blast through some of these waiver wire starting pitchers who may be available. We'll start with some shallower names. And tell me who's your favorite if you needed one to start this week and who your favorite is... I guess for long-term value, it might be the same player, but uh, John Gray is at the Pirates this week. Jordan Montgomery had a great start, seven shutout with 11 strikeouts against the White Sox this weekend. He is going up against the Toronto Blue Jays this week. Albert Alzali, seven innings of two-run ball against the Cardinals. He is going up against the Reds. Uh, and Casey Mize now has five straight quality starts. The ERA is down to 3.42. He's 65% rostered. He's going up against the Yankees this week. John Gray, Jordan Montgomery, Alzali, and Casey Mize. I think just going off my sleeper pitcher rankings for this week, I got to say John Gray is my favorite to start this week, but he's probably my least favorite to roster. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Alzali might be my favorite to roster, actually. And then Montgomery, yeah, I kind of I kind of poo-pooed Montgomery a couple weeks ago, and then he's Two of his last three starts have just been amazing. So, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to make of him. But he's probably second for me and Mize is third. Chris? I think I agree with that. All right. Some starting pitchers in a little bit deeper of leagues than what we just talked about. Shane McClanahan, uh, this weekend, five innings of one-run ball. He's going up against the Royals this week. Uh, Brady Singer allowed three runs over six and a third against the Tigers. He is at the Tampa Bay Rays, one of the hottest teams in baseball. And Carlos Martinez returned to the mound against the Cubs. He allowed two runs over six innings, and he is 42% rostered. He's at the Diamondbacks this week. So between McClanahan, Singer, and Carlos Martinez, your favorite there? McClanahan. Singer for me. All righty, and then some deeper names. Deep. Martin Perez, 18% roster. He's going up against the Marlins this week. James Caprillion had another solid start. And probably better than solid. Nine strikeouts, two yeah. runs, five and two-thirds. He's 18% rostered. Uh, looks like he is home to face the Mariners this week. Randy Dobnak, uh, Dobnak, Chris Bubich, Mike Fultonevich, Justin Dunn, Cody Poteet, Scott Casimir. I mean, the year is 2021, and we're like, Scott Casimir had a decent start against the Dodgers. Four innings, one run. I... <laughs> I didn't even know the guy was back in baseball, but of these <laughs> names, Martin Perez, James Caprillion, Randy Dobnak, Chris Bubich, Mike Fultonevich, Justin Dunn, Cody Poteet, Scott Casimir. It's a great crew. The only one I'm really interested in, and I'm really interested in him, is James Caprillion, who, uh, yeah, is, is only two starts, nine days apart, I think they were, but they were they were both very impressive in terms of missing bats and everything else. Kind of a... And he's 27 now, but he used to be a big deal. Had had some Tommy John. I think I think he may have had something else too. He's had injuries. Yeah. But um, he's relief pitcher eligible. Um. So that's an extra perk in points leagues. I added him in a 15 team 
uh, Roto League too. I think I put in a bid for him in every single league I'm in since he has that added perk in points leagues. Those tend to be the shallower ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very interested in him. Probably more so, or at least about the same as McClanahan, actually. Fair enough. Yeah, James Kapillion, 18% rostered, has SPARP eligibility on CBS. I'm mad at myself that I didn't get to this player earlier. I was going to make him my oh my goodness gracious player. Uh, Chris Paddock. These are just a few names that we've been monitoring all season long. Uh, and I noticed Paddock on Friday against the Mariners. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. His fastball spin rate was 2,317 RPM. That was up 125 RPM from his average fastball this season. And that was higher, much higher than his fastball back in 2019. So I was like mm-hmm. super encouraged by this start for Chris Paddock. And he's and, at the Brewers this week. I I would get him in my lineup. And remember that happened, that started before he, he came down with COVID and, and missed some time. Yep. He is the RPM on the fastball just shot way up by more than 100 RPM. He's getting whiffs with it. Like it's, it's, it's actually playing up in addition to having the RPM up. Um, so this yeah. This might I'm, be his best start since 2019. It might be. Or at least his most impressive. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think he's on the road to recovery. Not health-wise, but that too. Uh, Steven Strasburg returned against the Orioles this weekend. Five and one-third innings, uh, shutout innings with four strikeouts, four walks. Eight swinging strikes on 72 pitches. Uh, he averaged 92.3 miles per hour on the fastball. That was 93.9 miles per hour back in 2019. So I don't really know what to do with this Strasburg start. Maybe glass I moved him to 30, but I have zero confidence in that. That was just kind of a placeholder. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't really know how he's going to perform. with. It's basically been this velocity every time he's pitched since 2019. Mm-hmm. It's just been so scattered those starts that we don't really know how that's going to play. Yeah. My assumption is it won't be elite, but I, I couldn't leave him around 50 now that he's active, but he could end up there really quickly. Carlos Rodon, just want to give him a shout out. Six uh, shutout innings with 13 strikeouts against the Yankees this weekend. He had 23 swinging strikes on 95 pitches. He is averaging 22.6 fantasy points per game. That is fourth best among starting pitchers. I don't want to go back and say like, oh, he's not a sell high anymore. But whenever you see a start like this, it kind of makes you think like, should I be trying to trade this guy? I think for injury purposes, you know, his history, you probably should. But whenever he, as long as he's healthy, he's probably just going to be really good. Yeah, it's less injuries. I think it's more innings as much as anything. Like, yes, there is injury risk, but I think he's unlikely to throw, you know, 160 plus innings. Um And so, you know, how that gets distributed, I I think, is going to be interesting to see. And that that's the main reason I would I would sell high on him. He's still in like the 35 range for me just because of that. Again, the name there, Carlos Rodon, some bullpen updates from the weekend for the Tigers. Michael Fulmer got his fourth save on Friday and then on Sunday, Gregory Soto was using the seventh. Michael Fulmer was using the ninth and he gave up two runs and took the loss. So it, it seems like Fulmer's. The guy-ish for now, um, mm-hmm. but just didn't really perform well on Sunday. For the Dodgers, Blake Trinan got his second save with Kenley Jansen unavailable on Friday. Then Kenley Jansen got his 11th save on Saturday. Uh, Daniel Bard got his fifth save 
for the Rockies on Saturday. He also picked up a win on Sunday. So the road to redemption for Daniel Bard has officially begun. Brad Hand got his sixth and seventh saves of the season for Cleveland, which we are monitoring very closely. On Saturday, Emmanuel Class A recorded five outs Sorry, across Washington. Well, you said Brad Hand for Cleveland, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I, I do that sometimes where like I try to transition into the, to the uh, next okay, thing. And okay. it sounds, I got confused. It yeah. sounds like I'm talking about the previous, you know. Okay, yeah. I'm only supposed to be a professional talker for a living. It's, <laughs> you know, no big deal. Well, no, I'm, I should be a professional <laughs> listener, maybe. No, 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 because I listen back to things and I notice. I'm like, why did I say it like that? So, apologies. Uh, but for Cleveland, Emmanuel yes. Class A recorded five outs across the eighth and the ninth inning on Saturday. James Karinczak then recorded the next four outs across the ninth and the tenth. He got the win. On Sunday, Karinczak allowed a go-ahead three-run home run in extra innings. So, I don't know. Who gets the next save for Cleveland, guys? <laughs> well, if it's tomorrow, it'll be Class A, just because I think Karinczak will need a day off. Uh, I, I think Karinczak is, think is the, the leading guy there. I think the evidence from the past few days has shown it. I think one home run, basically the only damage done off him all year. Karen Jack Sunday, I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna cause Francona to flip it back. For the Diamondbacks on Sunday, Stefan Crichton allowed a walk-off solo home run to Trevor Story. Is there anybody else to speculate on? I was looking through their roster. I guess Joaquin Soria, but he hasn't been great either. Ah, uh, yeah, I have no idea. because uh, they stu- they they basically stopped using Crichton as the closer for like a week now. Um and they haven't been using Soria in that role. They haven't been treating him like a closer either, so I I have no idea where the Diamondbacks go. Yeah, like uh, Caleb Smith might be the best reliever in their bullpen, but I don't know. They'd want to use him that way, so I don't know. It, it's pretty ugly. Yep. For the Twins on Sunday, Taylor Rogers pitched in the eighth with a one run lead. Hansel Robles came in for the ninth, uh, but he allowed a run and he wound up with the win. I know Alex Colome took a loss this weekend, so. That pushes him further down the totem pole. Not that he was close or anything, but kind of looks mm. like uh, Taylor Rogers in the eighth and Hansel Robles in the ninth has been the formula for the Twins recently, and I don't foresee them going away from it at least for the time being. But well, uh, uh, Hansel Robles did blow the save to Sunday. I, I guess you mentioned that. Yep. Um, and Tyler Duffy ended up getting the save in the tenth. I mean, Tyler Duffy's numbers are pretty bad this year, so I don't think he's going to take over. I, I just, yeah, it, do, it does look like they're leaning more toward Robles, you know, kind of the last four instances, three or four instances where you'd expect a closer to be used. They've used him in that role, but he's been kind of shaky too. So I don't know. I don't know how much staying power it has really. To stream or not to stream for Monday, Kwang Hyun Kim at the White Sox, Austin Gomber at the Mets, Spencer Turnbull versus Cleveland. I don't even know this gentleman's first name. Who would it be? Sam Henges, I believe it is. Sam Henges. At the Tigers, you got to throw them in there just because I mean they're facing the Tigers, so uh, it's you know no no don't do we're not doing is it. it supposed to be pronounced like Pat Hengen? Is that how you pronounce his name? No clue. Uh, the only other one I see he probably is, doesn't know who Pat Hengen is. <laughs> no idea. Ryan Yarbrough at the Blue Jays, <laughs> former Cy Young winner. Um, uh, I missed the name. Sorry. I was laughing at you. I'm sorry. Uh, Spencer Turnbull's number one. Ryan Yarbrough's number three. I know some people are interested in the Austin Gomber experience, but I am uh, not. Gomber has pitched much better in the month of May. I kind of like it. 
I think mm. I think Gomber's number two on this list. Nah, give me Yarbrough. All right, uh, but we can all agree Turnbull's uh, probably number one there. To stream or not to stream for Tuesday, who can I find here? Jake Arrieta. I usually write them down beforehand. I didn't have enough time. Jake Arrieta at the Pirates. Vince Velasquez at the Marlins. Tarek Skubal versus Cleveland. Garrett Richards versus the Braves. And is there anyone else? Andrew Heaney versus the Texas Rangers. Logan Gilbert at Oakland. Uh, Cole Irvin versus Seattle. I think Tarek Skubal is probably the most interesting. And um, was Garrett Richards part of that group as well? He is, but he's facing the Braves. So pretty tough matchup. Yeah, I, I probably like Irvin against Seattle. Could throw a no hitter. Oh, yeah. Arietta at Pittsburgh, maybe ish. I don't know. He's not great. Yeah. Whatever. All right, we're gonna wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I'm Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.